0: Hey, Tim, what are you drinking today? Well, like most days, I'm drinking Covert Coffee from our friends, Brian and Amy Fowler, who have a micro micro roaster, I think that's what it's called, out in Tennessee. They will ship anywhere from their website. And if you mention the podcast, you can get a 10% discount at covertcoffee.com. Hey, everyone.
1: Welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Tim and Sam. Sam and Tim. Sam, how are you doing today?
1: What's happening, Tim? Hey, good morning. good morning. Welcome back to you. Sam, are you wearing a turtleneck? It's gotten chilly in Southern California. Tim? This is, yeah, but uh, this that was the question. The, uh, the question was,
0: is, is it turtleneck, is it turtleneck <laughs> season for you? Is that is that what we're doing now? Are you
1: going to call me? We're seconds into our show, and you're already insulting me. Are you going to make fun of the fact? I've you know, been wondering about this since we got on this call. Just because you are a fashion, like a high, you're the high commissioner of the fashion police. It's not going that. To,
0: it's not that. I was just, I was honestly wondering if turtlenecks are part am, of your, because they're back. They're back. I'm not saying they're not back. I just wanted to know if that's part of your fashion regime at this point, <laughs> You're, which which is so funny to me because you literally work eight feet from your bed. So I'm not sure. I'm not hey, sure.
1: Listen, I think we all agree. We're going through our closets anyway, even if we're working at home. I'm it's trying true. to do that. Just keep the, keep the, you know.
0: Yeah. You were doing the, a thing where you weren't, you were going to wear everything before you washed it again. Have you? I did have think- you done a, Have you done a wash yet?
1: I did one cycle of that and it was over. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so some things were not comfortable yeah. to wear while sitting for eight hours. How about you? How about Are me? Are you going through
0: I, your closet? Listen, all I have is crosswalk gear now. I Everything is a black t-shirt with the word crosswalk or Lovewell on it. That's it. I mean, if you can see right now, I'm wearing my my new crosswalk uh, hoodie. Um, <clears throat> and I have a Dear Lovewell listener, shirt on called, underneath it.
1: This is called shameless promotion, promoting. It's With not. Christmas it's called, season it's called product is, placement. You're but, right. Yes.
0: But you yes. can get Staywell blankets. You can get. There's lots of things you can get. No. Um. I listen. It's just because I'm lazy, and every time I baptize somebody, I forgot I need a T-shirt. So I just keep <laughs> going and getting more T-shirts. Anyway, Sam, we
1: need to get to our guest. Why don't you? Why don't our our you begin are, the introduction of our guest? We are excited to have back on the show. This is not the first time. This is the second time or third time S- because we recorded two episodes I think last we did. time. That's right. Uh, for the third time, we're honored to have Alex Bryan, chief mission officer at Adventist health, a pastor, a scholar, and a friend of ours to have a conversation, a continuing conversation about the one project. This is the, this is the season we're in friends. We're doing the one project story. So thank you, Alex, for giving us minutes of your valuable, very valuable day. We recognize that this is a, a great effort on your part and, we, and we're grateful. And our great and uh, beautiful listeners, thank you too. Welcome, Alex. Good Let's morning.
2: Start. Good morning. <laughs> morning Thanks man. for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. I don't know if everybody, not, people don't watch this because we don't put it up on YouTube, but if you could see, you would see the stacks of books Alex has. You know how most people put books vertically? Alex yeah. puts them horizontally because there are so many that his, his bookshelves would be crushed by the weight of the books that he's read. So he just stacks them up floor to ceiling. They're behind <laughs> him right now. It's, it's a good look, I got to say, Alex.
1: <laughs> he's not responding to anything. Too. Let's just get to, let's get to our <laughs> questions, shall we? Um, Alex, this is about the one project. Um, what was happening in 2010 in your life when this movement began, when it, when you felt moved to gathered a bunch of friends and it eventually just turned into the one project, what was happening in your life at that time? Can you remember? Or maybe can you reflect on that?
2: Yeah. So I just moved west uh, from living my whole life, either in the Midwest or on the east coast. So it was a point of transition for me, uh, moving to the Pacific Northwest, and um, I think that um, you know you're jogging my you're jogging my mind here to think about it you know in fresh ways. That's how memory works, right? You start, you keep thinking about things in different ways that you've never thought about them before. So I've gotten this question before, but I think in times of transition, you start to think about things, right? A big move, death in the family. Uh, just big transitions start to stir things in you. And I, it was during that time that I bumped into a a person I had not met before, Jay Fit de Oliveira. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we start, and he was going through a cancer journey at the time. And we started to talk about things that mattered about life and death. And so I think we were both in periods of some tumult in life. And that led to, man, we, we should have some deeper conversations about some of these things and pulled in the two of you folks that we, uh, knew, knew and, uh, also knew thought deeply about similar things and said, man, we just got to spend a couple of days reflecting on life and God. I think that's kind of all it was. I mean, honestly, it was just this impulse. Mm. Mm. Um, so, so
0: Javid has a way of, um, David has a way of bringing out, um, the best in all of us, I think. And so what, what did your conversation like get specific? What did your, what were you frustrated with? What were you, what were you happy with? Like why, what, what precipitated these conversations to the point, or how did you feel about these conversations to the point where you wanted to do something about it?
2: Well, I think that probably one frust to use your word, Tim, I think one frustration, Oh, was- you're not even going to own frustration. I was just going to blame that on me.
0: You know, I just want to say, I don't own frustration.
2: I, I just, I just just want to say it it belongs to all of us from what I understand. (laughs) I just want to say to your dear listeners, as you speak of them so affectionately that Tim's actually a very happy go. Like this is just an act. I just want you to know his (laughs) angst, the inner anger, I used to worry about it. Like it used to scare me. And then I'm like, "Nah, it's just it's just not really." It's he's just a, a sweet, sweet human being who has just... figured out how to use an exterior edge to his advantage. That's all it is. So don't don't give away don't oh. give away trade secrets. Give away trade secrets. I think that the truth is Timothy oh, that for a lo- for a long time. I think all three of us on this call and Jefit have worried about the church. Yeah. We've worried about the trajectory of the church. It's growing irrelevance. Mm-hmm. It's resistance to fresh promptings of the spirit. Uh, it's, it's uh, risk of being old wine and old wine skins to, to use a parable and a story of Jesus. And I think it w- it was always going to be ripe in our lives. To step up because we love the church and we love Jesus' presence in the world. And we felt this burning in our souls that we can do better. So it was going to happen, whether it was the one project or, you know, it's crosswalk or it's so- at some point in all of us, there was going to be these eruptions of the spirit that said, we need to say some things. We need to do some things. Um, yeah. all, is, all is not well. Right. And, and I felt that planting a church in the mid-1990s. And sadly, 25 years later, I feel many of the exact same things I felt 25 years ago, that all is not well.
0: Uh, But Alex, to to quote some criticism, what gives you the right to A, criticize the church, or B, believe that you have the opportunity to change it? Shouldn't that be done on higher levels than you have ascended to?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well... Well, first of all, I would say it's self-criticism, plank and speck, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I am the church. Good. You are the church. We are the church. So it's not criticizing anyone else. it's criticizing me. It's my body that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so my critique is not um, my critique is not for some exterior or, or outsider, it's me. So that's one, two. The theology, the priesthood of all believers means, there is no higher up. So I would contest the premise of your question. Ooh. I think that is, um, um, I'm channeling my inner Tim. I'm actually hey man, a very don't, nice don't guy. Get wow. all, don't
0: get all smart on me.
2: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, pretty, that's good. Pretty, um, no, but I, so, so I think there, there, we should, we should wish for more people offering productive critique, not mm-hmm. the moaning and groaning and whining nonsense, but, but the actual, I cry for my church. I weep for my church. I want something to be better and more meaningful because um, in fact, I think just days ago, there were statistics that came out of quote, church headquarters that said, oh, we're losing 40% of the people who walk. It's a big revolving door. (laughs) We're losing our young people. We're not attracting the next generation. Well, welcome to 20 or 30 or 40 years of the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And we're still having it, so. So.
0: This is, that's that's good uh, we're gonna get you a little fired up here because because we like we like smooth corporate alex like he's he's an important guy <laughs> but we like we like kind of we like kind of angry messy alex too so i'm just saying i'm just saying the dockers are coming off no that doesn't sound right um, dockers <laughs> um are coming off. i that even as i said that i knew i'm i'm looking for i'm looking for the 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 rating, the like censorship rating. Anyway. um, So Alex, so, so we get together in Denver and we have that experience. Uh, Reflect a little bit on that. And then I'm more interested on reflecting on Atlanta because you and I had a really important conversation in Atlanta, but give us a little background on Denver for you.
2: Yeah. So Denver, um, five brothers. Um, I think we didn't even have a meeting room. I think just piling into a To one of the hotel rooms that we had, you know, reserved for a couple of nights and I think it was the
0: suite that you and you and Jefit had the suite because Sam and I did not have a suite. I believe you
2: had a suite. Yeah, just saying. That's right. The other thing I like about Tim is that his memory is long, and sometimes it's sometimes sometimes it's 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 freighted with bitterness and complaint. (laughs) 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 Hey, two days. And you too would attest to this two days of opening the scriptures of praying. Tears were shed honest stories were had. It was one of the most authentic two days of my life. Um, where there was no, um, veneer, there was no holding back. There was very honest dialogue about the condition of our lives our young, our relatively young ministries, our, our church. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that was the two days, Tim. I think that's what happened. So Atlanta became a, as we finished up in Denver, we need to keep this conversation going. Right. Okay. Let's pick another city and invite a few more people to the conversation. That's literally the amount of planning that went into it. and so in our, we in our heads yeah in our heads jayfett's jayfett yeah, head, his Jay, head works a little different that's true he had <laughs> that's true in my head that certainly was all that was there Me
0: too.
2: and so i i remember that we each kind of jotted down in our either in our heads or on our iphones or wherever we did it was that where iphones around i guess they were iphone yep. three iphone four two and I think it
1: was
2: uh, two. to be two excited. <clears throat> and we uh just kind of put a, put a list together of some names. It wasn't like these are the privileged, but just, Hey, brainstorm a little, you know, a group of names and what was the number 150, 160 people gathered in Atlanta to talk about this conversation about the flat spots of the church, how we needed to do better. Talk honestly about Jesus and Tim to, go where you kind of teed this up to talk about some of the implications of taking Jesus seriously.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's the word. I remember being outside. I think I was outside of my room in, um, in, uh, Atlanta we were by an elevator and you and I were talking at like two or three in the morning before the thing began. And, and you were prophetic in a lot of the things that you said that night. Um, but but the one that struck out to me was, you know, if this, if this happens in the way that we feel like it's going to happen, if God is really moving in the midst of this, this movement, whatever this becomes, and we didn't have a clue on what it would become, there are implications to talking about Jesus this way. Tease that out a little bit, say a little bit more about that.
2: So I think, first of all, and again, memory is an interesting thing, Tim. So I may be freighting that conversation with 11 more years of experience. But I think, first of all, we had some sense that Jesus is on the move. Mm. He's dynamic by his nature. So when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, it it is automatically a disruption of the status quo. So I think that I think that we had some feeling back then, Tim, in our conversation that if we say we're going to try to seek Jesus, we know that he's a mover. He's a shaker. He's a, he, he's, he's, it's going to stir things up because the gospel is never standing water. Right. Right. Never. The gospel is mm-hmm. never standing water. It's always fresh water. It's river. It's a river that moves. And so we recognize that that being in a in a church in a denomination that is, and it it's just human nature. But the church is is quite often standing water, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't move. It doesn't change. That this was going to be a threat. I so I, that's one thing I think we felt. Second, of all Jesus is is bigger than any one denomination. Jesus is bigger than Christianity itself. Jesus is transcendent. Uh, Gandhi says as much Jesus says, uh, uh, Gandhi says, Jesus belongs to the whole world, Hmm. not just to Christianity. So if you talk about Jesus, you can no longer be insular and and talk about us versus them, our little group, our greater enlightenment. So to talk about Jesus was always going to be ecumenical. And I know that's a big, scary word in our denominator, but I'm sorry. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people—we could go on about the mm-hmm. things that Jesus said that blow all the other categories away. So, so one is movement. Two is, I think, the breadth of of things. And I think, and then I think I would just say that part of that inclusion—if I was going to add a third piece of the implications—is part of that radical inclusion of Jesus was was going to be disruptive because when you start including. Um, when you start including more and more people, that's not comfortable for the gated bedroom community approach to religion. Hmm. And, and at least in North America, we have a rather gated bedroom community approach to church. And you could just say, I mean, the raft of stories that we have, I, I mean, I can, I could tell you endless stories about my church plant in Atlanta in the nineties, where, you know, the, the, The religious brass which well we don't really like because people are dressing in a certain way in your church we don't really like the music we didn't really like the smell of these you know and you start to you don't really like these people like we shouldn't probably have planted a church (laughs) and and i'm just and again i'm not being critical of any individual i'm saying that is the very nature of, of of how religion starts to become uh Again, that gated that gated community. So I think to follow Jesus, Tim, in our conversation, we realized if we actually are serious about this, it's going to threaten the church in multiple ways. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, Alex, I, I, this is this is great. You know what I remember about Atlanta is I remember you saying there was a line in your sermon in Atlanta where, where you said we have siblings, um, and that stuck with me. Because it came up later in a conversation we had that evening. And someone in our, in our group said, we are, we're going to face opposition. And I was naive enough to think, who who could possibly be in opposition to saying, Jesus first. Hey, we have siblings in the world who uh, who confess Jesus also, and, and outside of the, the Jesus confessing you know, um, family. Um, but, man, was there opposition and i like i like to I like to dwell on this for a moment and then and then I want to talk about the positive things so your analogy of standing water and moving water is great and mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about how moving water sometimes cuts new territory mm. Mm. what What was it like to be to cut new territory in in this denomination um and I, now, I, let me add to the analogy with the guardians of the old bridges over still water, who felt like we were threatening the, you know, the the bridges they had built and they were sturdy and they were beautiful, the great bridges. But but the but the rivers moving in a different direction now. What was it like
2: for you? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, in one sense, personally. I never lost a, a, a second of sleep in the last 12 years over this. Hmm. Why is that the case? I think two things. One, a tremendous uh, support of real friendship, the two of you and, you know, and others, but I never, it never really stressed. It, I, I was never really stressed personally by the, I would say the substantial amount of attacks and criticism, I think that it, it became clear that, you asked me, this is a personal question, right, Sam? So yes. I'm just reflecting yeah, personally. Well, it so was one... a tough question. The question was like algebra, it was a long. Yeah, it was, but hey. t- it was. Sam is sophisticated though. He's what? very sophisticated. Um, I tried to diagram that sentence, Tim. And Dude. honestly, I have a whole tree that I just wrote.
0: Uh, There's a map a, of North, North Carolina Chris, Chris, in the midst Chris of it. Sam. I don't know.
2: Tur- <laughs> Turtlenecks mix, turtle mix and
1: coffee at 6 a.m. Yeah. But Sam, that's I,
2: I would say, I would say that, that so personally, I don't think that it... Now, having said that, that doesn't mean there wasn't a load of stress. Um, it was interesting to watch region after region in the country say we don't want you to come speak for us anymore. We can't hire you. Uh, we, we don't want you anywhere near our, our young people, our, our institutions. Uh, things dried up quick because there was this wave of fear that, that we became untouchable. This is way too risky, you know? And the number of times, well, the number of whispered conversations that was my dog by the way, growling over here. I'm, I was like, "Man, he's mad." Yeah. Yeah, that's my dog. He's he's mad, no, or hungry. The, yeah, the the number of the number of <coughs> whispered conversations of Alex, man, we are 100% behind you guys. We are praying for you, but we can't talk about it publicly. Mm. But if if I had a buck for every time that there was basically that conversation, church leaders, "Oh, we'd love to have you, but we can't have you to this camp. We can't, you know, we can't consider you for this or that." I mean, that was professionally painful and tremendously disappointing, actually. Um, so I think hmm. that was the case. You know, in retrospect, Sam, I would say my only regret through all of that, you know, now that you have a lot of years to look back on it, my only regret is I'm sorry that we pulled back so many times hmm. to try to make things easier on the opposition. Hmm. We never, honestly, we never did or said anything that was that dangerous right and i want to go back and read him it never really happened you know you know and all so so that's my disappointment is i think we tried to be so sensitive to the op because we understood that those and i think that um
1: yeah well you you say that we'd never say anything dangerous but that's by our by our evaluation of it what what was dangerous to what was dangerous to people who were in opposition Um, what did they find Uh, so so radical
2: I think for some people what was radical is that the tent is bigger and includes everybody and that's very disturbing when you have a a soteriology a view of salvation Mm -hmm. that is just us and not you and it's uh, our way of thinking our theological formulations. And that's the ticket to get to heaven to live forever. I think when you blow that open and it's clear that the preachers of the one project say, come one, come all. This is going to be a big, beautiful Matthew and Luke style Jesus banquet where everybody could come. That scares mm. the hell out of people. Yeah, It scares the hell out of people. And I think that's one is how it, how can that be? How can, how can grace be that big? It mm. just doesn't fit. How can my sense that the Adventist church is the only way that our whole eschatology is about? It's us. And now you're doing this, and now you're welcoming you know, a bedeviled Sunday keeper by the name of Leonard mm. Sweet to come talk to us and a, and a John mm. Ortberg to come speak, and you're quoting people you shouldn't be quoting and... Then the Jesuit conspiracies start and you're part of the, I mean, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, I think it's about, it blows up your whole sense of you, just your whole, your whole framework for religion. I think that was the biggest thing. And then the second thing I would say, Sam, is just, I think there was a church authority issue because even though Japheth was meticulous at getting permission in a territory for us to meet in a particular geography, Mm-hmm. The fact that we weren't kissing the rings of the powers that be. I'll tell you, the priesthood of all believers was was not appreciated. And I think that that was another big piece of it is how could these young bucks be who gave them permission? Right. What committee? What mm. committee signed off on this? And that was a real thing. And it continues <laughs> to be a real thing. We are, we are so hierarchical in this church Mm. where we still have to get permission, not just us, but that's the whole protocol. If you're going to have a meeting, if you're going to have a Bible study in this particular conference, this needs to go through a committee. Yes. Right. What? Yes. That's very hierarchical. Yes.
0: No, I, Alex, I think you're, I think you're, I like y'all fired up, um, (laughs) but but i want to say for me the biggest travesty of the of the outcomes of the one project and i've said this to you multiple times and i say this to anybody was the fact that um that an offer of a job for you was retracted and and um i don't know if we necessarily want to go there but i want to say it publicly that um that your your trajectory in leadership was thwarted through some, I think, very nefarious means, and I think that's the biggest travesty of what happened, because because your gifts and your talents should have been used at a school where my daughter now attends, and um, and that whole incident was a travesty to me of incredibly God-led leadership, and I don't think I don't think that institution will ever recover from what it could have been with you being there that's super obtuse
1: I don't know um, how particular not, we want to get. not that obtuse that. not that obtuse I think you're
2: my daughter I think you're pretty clear <laughs> well you're 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 kind to say so you know I I think fear is just a very powerful thing mm-hmm. and I think that I think that um I mean, look at 2020, who could have, think about the amount of fear that people feel mm-hmm. now and all of the hate and all of the rage and all of the, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I just think, Tim, I just think we, we just have a, def, we're very, you know, I think, I think about the number of church meetings that I've sat, you know, committees and things that I have sat on where if we could just make a 2% increase in tithe, it's like sing the doxology, we made it through another year. <laughs> it's very defensive thinking. Yeah. It's and again, I'm not throwing I I for anybody that would be listening to this, I'm not. I love the church, but I do think we function in a very defensive posture. So we don't want to make decisions that appear to have a little risk because they're bold or they're on the offense. They're very we have a very we try to make prudent decisions that we feel like will protect the status quo. Right. That is our default mode. And so yeah, I don't, you know, you get a mm. you get a guy in Dockers, a dangerous guy in Dockers like Alex, <laughs> you know. Um you know, any but I think I think anytime, anytime you you feel like that somebody that Tim Gillespie, Sam Lenore is going to bring change. Change is scary. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's going to be resistance to change. And I think that the posture of church institutions, generally speaking, is not one of proactive innovation. Uh, Again, to use a sports metaphor, playing, playing offense, right? Mm -hmm. Building something, growing something. Um, I lament in higher education, you know they do such beautiful work but it's hard work but i to me just hanging on to try to um to to kind of like plug the gaps in the leakage of enrollment you know kind of aggregate enrollment sam you you've seen these this data aggregate enrollment across you know north america how do we kind of stem the bleeding mm-hmm. I think it's like, how do we how do we get a blood transfusion? Should be the answer, not how to st- stench the bleeding. Nope. All right, here's our plan to add a thousand students. We're gonna add a thousand students over the next five years, aggregate across the system. That should be the plan, not how do we, do we consolidate? Do we have fewer institutions? Do, it, that's all retreat language. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying some of that's not, I'm not saying that's all wrong. I'm not, efficiencies are important, but the plan should be to meet it head on and to say, here's our strategies for new programs, new connections to business, new fundraising, new endowments, new, you have to say, we're going to attack this thing. And I think Tim, with with Crosswalk, you didn't say, oh, how do we rescue? You know, we're losing young people. Maybe how do we stop the bleeding? You said- we're going to create a movement that attracts the next generation. You didn't play defense. You played offense. In healthcare, mm. for example, where Sam and I are, you know, our leaders aren't saying, how do we kind of patch the gaps? Because healthcare margins keep, they're like, here's whole new things that we're going to launch. Mm. Mm. You know, we're, our, our company, right? We we acquired Blue Zones and we're going to build a whole new vision for how to take healthful living and holistic living to communities that's playing offense. And so I'm, Mm. you kind of got me going here. So I don't, I don't feel anything deeply about, you know, about a slight of eight years ago, as much as I'm like, come on, where is the powerful, proactive approaches to Mm. leadership in the church? And, but it takes a mindset change that we have to say to our constituencies. We're not just going to play defense and sing the doxology because we had a 2.2% tithe increase. Woo. We're okay for another twelve months <laughs> that's awesome I, no that's I, awesome I, 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 <laughs> I, I,
1: I think we got I think we got the the whole Alex today, Tim. I love it <laughs> I love it
0: no it, man it's um and that's what I've always appreciated about your leadership in the one project is the um is the passion of fervor that you have in order to move move a movement forward like you're you've often been you know that 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 prime mover to keep us thinking about what we need to be thinking about
1: yeah yes Alex I want to ask a couple of this is this is uh, there's so much to dig into here I want to ask a question about your um theologically um how do we go on the offense what kind of things did we do or did, did you lead us in doing, by the way, because we need to name the fact, Tim, that Alex and Japheth were the co-founders of the one project. Yep. We, we were, uh, we played a part on this in this team, but the majority of the work has been done by Japheth and Alex. Yep. Um, wh- what kind of, what, in what ways theologically do we need to be on the offense and did we try to be on the offense over the last 10 years with the one project? Any any kind of ways that you think we may have um, affected the church? Mm. Um, and in what other in what ways do we still need to make some progress and you'd like to see us be?
2: Man, I don't. Sam, I think I think probably, you know, humbly, if the one project made any theological contribution I think attempting to restore the primacy of Jesus and the significance of serious high Christology, where Jesus is taken seriously, um, is probably the closest thing to the theological push that we all engage in in the last 10 years. And you could kind of sense that because uh, the pushback against the Jesus All, uh, which was Tim's. Um, nomenclature that he that he gifted us with the pushback against that was no jesus isn't all (laughs) what about all the other things that was the immediate gut reaction a part of of many so i think saying look jesus isn't one of 15 doctrinal statements or 28 doctrinal statements or 52 doctrinal formulations jesus is up here and and all of scripture all doctrine all teaching sweeps into him and he holds it all together to quote Colossians. So he's everything. Um, And by the way, that's not elevating him above the rest of the Trinity, which was also something that was missed time and time again, is that Jesus is the revealer of Trinity. He reveals to us the father, the son, he's the gifter of spirit. Jesus actually raises Trinitarian theology, which by the way, is also under threat in our particular tribe, which is interesting where Jesus is viewed maybe is not fully divine the holy spirit is not really a member so i would argue that the, the that the work of the one project was and continues to be theologically the elevation of jesus and his incarnation re, revealer of god and trinity and and how that starts to reset all of the other things that we happen to believe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good and yes do you guys? I mean, you guys aren't just asking the questions. I think no. you would say that's right, don't you? I mean, I yeah, think that's. I think
0: it's the picture and the frame, right? It's it's the center and the circumference.
2: Yes.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Did that, yeah. Did that answer your questions, Sam? Did oh, that yeah, answer I did. your I question? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it
1: did. This is the this is going to be constantly the work we have to do, uh, and as a you know, as we discovered and we um in our time together over the last 10 years we've discovered that we're not the first ones to to try to try to steer the church in this direction over the last 150 60 years at least this denomination that we're part of a there's always been a group of people on the you know that have been the i don't want to say disruptors but also the but the voice that keeps saying um we are we are christians we're christians first Mm -hmm. we're christians first and and um they've not always been the the most popular or the most appreciated voices but they're necessary and I think, um,
2: I, Sam, and I think it's important to point out that Dan Jackson, uh, then the president of North American Church, writes a little book during this period. Is Jesus enough? Um, mm-hmm. There were many other uh, uh, articles, books, sermons, uh, camp meeting themes that that emerged. Now, did we did we light the fire of that? I don't. It don't I don't really care. Doesn't matter. That there did seem to be a resurgence of reflection on those things i think the question is the other theological piece would be i think the real question is and i don't think this one's been solved is ecclesiology so Mm -hmm. christology it's like okay if jesus is all and 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 this elevates the trinity and etc well how does this impact our view of the church right and i think that's work that just has not been done yet and i would say the other piece is kind of our our hermeneutic or the way that we the way that we think about scripture and and react to Mm -hmm. that. That's what hasn't really been, Mm -hmm. uh, that soil that hasn't been tilled either because Jesus has a lot to say about how to to read scripture in light of him. Mm -hmm. And those are maybe conversations for another podcast. But I think that those two issues of ecclesiology and hermeneutic, the way we read scripture, if we're going to take this, higher view of Christi- Christology, uh, there's a lot to chew on there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there hope is ecclesiology? Is there hope for us to be in the future, more united Alex? Is this what, how do it, just a quick analysis? And then your comment on that, the deep divisions that exist now, we're, we're like a mirror of what's happening in society. Is there, is there a way out of this or a way forward Just say out a way forward? on this.
2: I hope so. (laughs) You know, I think, I think it could be, I watch, you know, since we're talking about Adventists here that our tribe, Mm. I, I see relatively moderate to progressive and relatively conservative to, you know, right-wing Adventists. I see them all at the same soup kitchen serving together. I see them all at the same meeting trying to figure out how to to combat homelessness in a community, or I see them going on the same mission trip to care for some part of the world that's broken. Um, That's encouraging to me because what that tells me is despite all of our challenges and how we think about God and scripture, there's this humanitarian impulse that comes of God that is shared. Mm, mm. Uh, so for all this chatter that I've been doing about theology, you know, mm. what if we just did stuff and stopped talking <laughs> with that? You know, would, if we did if we did stuff instead of talking for two or three years together, just do good. Mm. Would that change things i mean i think that's true of american politics you know a lot of the people i talk to you know left and right mm. they're both wanting to care for the poor they they yeah. both rake their neighbors leaves they both um, you know dive in pitch in and help when somebody's has a flat tire or a family loses a child they're they all mm. rush to the scene mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think our actions are a whole lot better than where our words are right now. Yeah. Yes, that's good. Yes. Yes that's good.
0: I, I think that um, Alex, you've always been you've always been a you've always been a, a, you've always been a quarterback, I'll say. Um, you've always been pitching the ball forward for us to catch. Um, there's something incisive about your your intellect and the way that you view the world. And it's a pleasure when, you know, get the opportunity to sit with you on Saltworks, which is, um, which is kind of a Sabbath school that pivoted to being online. And um, now you kind of curate that experience. Maybe talk about that just for a second.
2: Sure. So in my day job, I don't get to spend a lot of time in scripture, interacting with people. It's not my job description it's not my primary job description so i think having a lifetime in pastoral work where that was central i think i missed that um so for one having a a regular weekly experience of teaching facilitating participating in conversation around scripture is it's something i need for my soul uh that nothing else nothing else satisfies um you guys know that uh, I read like 20,000 pages of presidential biographies this past year. And what was interesting is I had, to sh- I had to sideline almost everything else that I read and watched to get that done. Huh. But I found myself at the end of a day of reading all this history, just thirsty. Have you ever eaten something or you drink something and you're just like, it just makes you thirsty. And you're like, I, gotta, I, I need water. Like yeah, Martinelli's. Really
0: badly. Anytime you drink Martinelli's, you got to drink yes.
2: water. Yes, or orange juice is that way for me. By the way, really, if I drink orange juice, I'm thirsty. Yeah, are you diabetic? Um,
0: is that what's? Cool? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it works though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joking about a person's. medical I know that's horrible. Gym. I appreciate isn't it? that. Yeah, Again, I, I Shouldn't yeah. have laughed at that. You're um, but I felt that I felt that way. Where then I just wanted to open the scriptures and just read because I miss Jesus and I miss Jesus revealed in the word. So I think that's the, and I sense from the uh, conversation partners with salt works that there's hunger for that as well. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's really it. That's the impulse. I don't, you, you know, I think it's scriptures. Uh, Eugene Peterson talks about the uh, chewing on scripture, the Haga, like a dog chewing on a bone. He talks mm. about just, tasting it and savoring it and chewing over it. And there's something that satisfies the, the soul. So that's good. Mm.
1: Hey, Alex, I have one question about one project that kind of related to this. So I asked, I asked uh, Japheth the same question in 2018. We had this beautiful conclusion to the one project in San Diego. We all gathered around. We prayed, we cried, we had testimonies about how meaningful the one project had been and everyone moved on. Um, that was the last one project we said. <laughs> then, uh, what? Six months later, we announced that we are having another one project, and then, and it's it's kept going. Why? Why is that? Um, why? Can you explain why um, we ended the one project and then?
0: <sighs> why we lied to everyone and, and then, then came we back started again, and then started a reunion yeah. tour? Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> a never-ending reunion tour, <laughs>
0: like. Like the
2: Rolling Stones, really. Uh, We quit because we were exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) So, let's just be clear about that. It's tiring. Um, It's an all—it's essentially an all-volunteer organization. And we were exhausted, and it was an awful lot of work, and it was emotionally charged. It took a toll on our families. Mm -hmm. It was tiring. And then people kept begging, please no, please no, don't stop, don't stop, don't do this. Loads and loads of that. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, if I recall, uh, a decision by top leadership in the church to begin punishing parts of the church that decided to treat women equally in ministry. And I don't think I didn't think in the moment that we could live with ourselves to not stand up when such blatant injustice in the face of biblical expectations. Let me say that again, such injustice in the face of biblical expectations for better behavior was going on and i think that we realized it, we, we had to step up and say something because i think something that we have represented even though it's not been our rhetorical focus but something that we've represented has been justice mm-hmm. and a equality yeah, equity and and, and equ- equity equity and and honoring the image of god in in men and women Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, am I right? I, I mean, I, yeah. th- those are the things. I think yeah. that's what motivated it is,
0: are those things. Yeah. No, I think we saw the church mm-hmm. becoming draconian in the measures that it was taking to punish people who didn't think like it. Which is well, something that I want to... I,
1: I would just say, yes. when you say the church becoming, I, I don't know. I would say it wasn't the church doing that. I think it was leadership. Okay. In um, In silver spring maybe not right the church right. yeah
0: which is something that i actually want to talk about but why don't we wrap this one up real quick and then and then alex maybe you can stay for a little bit longer and we'll jump into a second episode of this would that be all right
2: sure tim
0: awesome <laughs> you can awesome. ask
1: him you can ask him on air and have him say no how do how do you edit that out i don't think our producer can um, like, that was a that was a strong arm yeah, you're doing a exact, second no
2: No, Tim, you don't look like you've gained weight. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, There's going to be a lot more questions than than you were hoping for in this next session. Um, Hey, everybody, this is Tim and Sam. Sam and Tim with a very surly Alex Bryan. Thanks for hanging out with us, Alex. We're going to see you uh, soon. Everybody, have a great week, and we hope that you um, find some meaning in this.
1: Our podcast and its theme music is produced by Michael Lenore and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N-T-I-M.com.